Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. God will speak to those who listen. And I hope that you will focus this morning to receive from the word of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Get In the Right Flow. Look at somebody and say, get in. Pray with me. God, thank you for... Your love, thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for safety, allowing us to be here today. We gather in your name, and I ask you, God, to anoint me to say the things that would honor you. Father, I pray that you would let us hear from you today. We need you at this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Get in the right flow. I want you to be thinking along today. Be an active listener because there is a rhythm and there is a pattern, and there is a flow of life, and let me just bust the bubble right now. Most people aren't in it. Most people are not flowing with what God has for them. Most people are bucking the tide. Most people are living life swimming against the current. Most people are living life pressing all the time instead of resting in God. How many of y'all believe that God could do more in one second than you can do in a lifetime? Amen. Let's, let's get into this. Tomorrow is Labor Day. It's one of the weirdest holidays we have. Um, I, I, I'll read you why, and maybe, maybe you'll find it weird, too. Uh, USA.gov says this about Labor Day. It's the first Monday in September. We celebrate the contributions of workers who have made... We celebrate the contrib- contributions workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of America. Here's the crazy part. Most people will be off work tomorrow. That always blows me back. How do we celebrate Labor Day? We don't labor. It should be called Take Off Work Day. Be no labor going on tomorrow. Not at the post office. Not at the bank. Not if you work for the government. But that's just kind of how we do things in America. We park in the driveway, drive in the parkway, and take off on Labor Day. But if it's a day off for you, I hope you spend it the right way. Um, Even though it sounds funny to me when I think about it, it actually makes sense because God said to, hear me good, take a day off. Now, not the 38 federal holidays that the government gives its employees, not not the every other week uh, holiday that school teachers get throughout the year, but take a day off during the week. God said, remember the Sabbath. In Exodus 34, 21, listen to the Bible. Six days Thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Now, I've been in Christ for 
41 years and have been preaching for 40 of those 41 years. I took my first full-time uh, pastoral staff position in 1982, and I, I can tell you, I've heard when the Sabbath is brought up, I've seen this verse preached a bunch. I've heard, seen it, heard it talked about a bunch. And what's focused on always is what does it mean to rest on the seventh day? Well, I've tried to teach you as a Bible teacher that you have to slow your reading down, that you have to read between the punctuation. When you see a comma, pause and consider what you just read. When you see a period, reread the whole thing and take it in and try to absorb it, get it down in your spirit. But before it ever says anything about the seventh day, the Sabbath, it says six days thou shalt what? Oh, there's a lot of arguing in the church body about how to honor God on the Sabbath, but I don't hear anybody talking about how to honor God on a six-day work week. <laughs> I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. Uh, this is the word of the Lord in Galatians 4.10. I'll give you some Sabbath stuff real quick because so many people say, well, why don't, why don't we uh, honor God on the Sabbath? We do honor God on the Sabbath. We, ha we have taken our rest in the Sabbath of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Galatians 4.10 tells us that Christians aren't bound to observe days, months, seasons, and years. It says, you are trying to find favor with God by what you do or don't do on certain days or months or seasons uh, or years. Now listen to Colossians 2.16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules were only shadows of the real thing, Christ himself. God set forth a pattern of work for a certain period of time and then rest for a certain period of time, and Jesus should be your ultimate rest. The rest that we enter into as Christians is something to experience every day, not just once a week. It's talking about resting from the work to save ourselves uh, when we realize that Jesus did all the work on the cross. Listen to Hebrews 4, 9. There remaineth a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. God ceased from his works on the seventh day and he rested. Every Christian who, who is truly a real Christian, I'm not talking about trying to be saved, I'm talking about really born again, has entered into our rest already. We've ceased from our own works trying to please God, trying to find God, trying to be accepted by God. If you ever get saved for real, your spirit will have a continual rest, and you'll know, I don't have to work for God to love me, and I don't have to do anything beyond Jesus to get to heaven. Can five people say amen? amen. So here's a question. How many days did it take God to create everything? Six. Now, there's a lot of debate about whether those were literal days, 24-hour days. I want to rest your mind today and let you know they were absolutely, unequivocally, without any shadow of doubt, six 24-hour periods. Moses believed that and talked about it in Exodus 20 and 31. David believed it, talked about it. In Psalm 33, there is no reason to believe that any of those days were longer than 24 hours unless you think the hand of God is short or limited. And we don't believe 
that. So in the first 56 verses of the Bible, that's chapters 1 and 2, we have a concise but complete account of creation. Verse 1 is a summary statement of what God did, and the following 55 verses give us more detail about how he did it. Let's go back to that text, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I've taught this many times, but I'll remind you again today, not in the beginning of God, but in the beginning that he wants us to know about. Do you realize that God has been around longer than this planet has been around? Remember what I've told you, eternity, most people usually think of as something that's in the future. But eternity also goes in the past. Eternity, God's been around from eternity past and will be around through eternity future with no starting and no ending date. So when verse 1 tells us in the beginning, it's talking about the beginning of the recorded story of this earth and the history of this earth. Verse 2 says, the earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So here we see in verse 2 a blank slate. Here we see nothing going on. Emptiness, formless. Only thing happening was the Spirit of God was beginning to activate. In verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Oh, I wish that we had a magic wand. If I had a magic wand, I could wave over you and just say, God, let, let there be this in your life, and this came into your life. How cool would that be? But God has chosen for his followers to follow him, believe in him, and obey him by faith. If every time you said, hey, God, toss me a $100 bill, he tossed you a $100 bill, uh, you wouldn't need a lot of faith. You would have proof text right there that God was blessing you. But here in this first week of the beginning of creation of this world, God starts with light. The Bible uses a lot of references, analogies, metaphors, tropes type similes to get spiritual truth across. And light is almost always a good thing. Say good thing. Light is, is told us it's, it's what Jesus brought into the world. Light, the Bible tells us, is what God put in the heart of every human being. That, but, but the reality is most of the light in the world is being covered by darkness. Wasn't a whole lot of light shining uh, in, in that 1,000 uh, plus kids going crazy in the mall last night. And here's the reality. A bunch of those kids will tell you right now they're saved. Sanctified, fire, baptized in the Holy Ghost. But what is going on with the light in our world? When Jesus said 2,000 years ago, will there even be any faith left on the earth when I come back? Um, man, things haven't changed that much from today. If you are looking for the light, uh, you better make sure that you're shining yours so I can see yours and you can see mine. Jesus said we are the light of the world. He said we're salt and we are light. I've told you a thousand times, salt flavors and light brightens. And God's plan for this world is everywhere you go as a Christian, he wants you to brighten your environment and flavor your environment for Christ. But this is the beginning when God said, let there be light. Verse 4 says, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. So God is moving. Say moving. 
God has always been active. Anytime you see a reference to God, he is being active even when he's resting. There's a right way to rest and there's a wrong way of rest. And hopefully by the end of this sermon, you're going to understand how to get in the right flow, the right rhythm of life so that you can begin to be all that God wants you to be. In verse 5, the Bible says, God called the light day and the darkness night. The evening passed and the morning came, marking the first day. So we get this right out of the way. In the first five verses, we get day one, and then we got following days. I made a chart so you can see it, and I didn't have to read it all because my, my whole, this whole side of me is just, just throbbing right now. So day one is light. Day two is the firmament and water. Whew. That firmament, we, we could use some of that firmament in Florida. If you don't know what the firmament is, it, it, it's, it's a, a great canopy. There was water on the earth, and God suspended a vast, just, just think of a giant space of water uh, in the heavens, up in the clouds, where there's all this water. And theologians tell us the reason why people before the flood lived to be six, seven, eight, nine hundred years old. One of the reasons is because they, didn't, they weren't exposed to the sun as, as much as we are today because they didn't have the UV uh, rays getting to the earth because that canopy of water was keeping the ultraviolet rays off of people. Well, fast forward to the flood. How does rain cause the whole earth to flood up to the tops of the mountains? You can't get that much rain. I mean, you can get enough rain to swallow your car. On Cassett Avenue, we've seen that happen. You, you can get enough rain to, to make your whole yard sloppy. We've seen that happen. But there's no way that the rain could cause the earth to flood just in raining 40 days, no matter how hard the rain was. But what happened is, and if you take time away from this time to read that account, you'll see that the water that was above and that the water that was beneath let go. So all the water that runs under the ground and all of this vast canopy just all dumped on the earth in that 40-day period, and God is establishing his order of creation here. On day three, he put in the land and the vegetation. Now, how wild is it? Think about it. If you really believe in this God, who's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, creating stuff, how cool is it that he put the amount of land that he put and the amount of water that he put? A lot of water, more water than land. Why? Because people love to be by the water. And water is life to most civilizations, but God put the firmament in. Then he, then he put the land of vegetation in. He put the land in the right place. He put food there to eat. Day four, here's what's crazy. Day four comes the sun, the moon, and the stars. Well, if the sun wasn't shining, what was lighting up the world? The presence of God. Day five, fowl and fish. Every bird that flies and every fish that swims were created on day five. Day six, animals and humans. People love to make note that the man was formed first. But if you read the scripture, you'll find out that God made them male and female on the sixth day. Fast forward to Genesis 2.1. So the creation of heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. 
On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. We're seeing this flow that God used, work six days, rest on the seventh. Verse 3 says that God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. I want you, I'm going to be faster than you've ever seen me be to finish this message because I want to get you to the punchline, and I want you to truly start getting your life in order the way God sets order. God set the whole earth in order, created everything that there is in order, and there is a right order or a right flow, a right rhythm to life. And we need to understand and live by this pattern of work and rest. Work and rest. Work and rest. Work how many days? Oh, there's a message for you there. If, if, you work five, if you work five days a week, if you work 20, 30, 40 hours a week, and you're crying and complaining because you don't have a bigger house, uh, you're not working hard enough. If, if, you, the, if you want more, you got to do more, right? There's no, there's no law in the world that says you can't have two jobs. There's now hiring signs everywhere I go. I see now hiring signs. But we need to find this six-day work, seven-day rest. This is a great formula, but only if you're truly working while you're at work and sleeping when you should be sleeping. If you try to work six days a week without the right amount of sleep, you're going to run your body down. If you try to work six days a week without the right amount of rest, you are going to be sloppy on your job. So here's what I want you to get. Get this and you'll have more than you need. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. When it's time to work, guess what you ought to do? When it's time to rest, guess what you ought to do? Oh, Y'all so smart. It's not going to take long to get done. So we've got eight hours to sleep. We've got eight hours to work. And we've got eight hours to do everything else. Now, if you're smart, you'll say, well, I don't really know that we got eight hours because I got to get up, got to get ready, got to drive to work, got to drive back from work. Let's round it down to six and a half hours. Um, that's part of the everything else, the getting ready, the eating, uh, the, the driving to and from work. So like I said, work when you should be working, sleep when you should be sleeping, but use that other six, seven, eight hours that you have in a day wisely. Say wisely. Do you think most people use that? I'm going to call it flex time. Say flex time. Do you think most people use that flex time wisely? I'm going to tell you what the average man's about to do for the next five months. Well, September, October, November, December. Oh, yeah, five months for sure. The average man is going to spend three to 30 hours a week watching football. Y'all think I'm right or wrong? And some women will be right there with them, too. Is it a sin to watch football? Absolutely not, especially if you're cheering for the right team. Is it a sin to go to a movie theater? Absolutely not, as long as you're not polluting your mind with filth. Is it, is it a sin just to sit outside and watch the cars drive by? No, but we've only got a certain amount of flex time, and we need to learn how to use it wisely. And I'm going to tell you, most people are doing a bad job with that flex time. I showed the staff this this morning because I'm just so blown away by it. Nielsen Ratings, very reputable uh, ratings company, says that the average American adult 
spends almost 12 hours a day connected to digital media. Their phone, their laptop, their computer. This is across the board age-wise. Almost 12 hours a day. The caption, the lead to their uh, story was, adults spend half their day connected to the Internet. Um, can you work eight hours a day and sleep eight hours a day and play on the Internet for 12 hours a day? Not unless you develop a 28-hour day. And you're not going to get a 28-hour day. That's why all these seminars on time management are foolish on their face. Time management is impossible. You get 24 hours from the ditch digger to the president. And if you ever felt like there's just not enough time in the day, I want you to hear me good. You are not using your time right. You can't manage time, but you can manage the tasks that you give time to do. And I want you to figure out how to do that so you can get the right rhythm of life. You shouldn't be exhausted all the time. You can work hard as long as you, you can work hard, you can play hard, but you got to rest hard too. There's a rhythm to this. There's an order to this. And let me tell you what's out of order. 12 hours a day on the Internet. How many people believe that there are people who spend 5, 8, 10 12 hours a day on the internet without even hearing Nielsen's rating. Okay. There, there's the people that's on the internet 12 hours a day, uh, or at least six, or they live with somebody. I see you, brother. Um, that you can't. You cannot be balanced. You can't be a balanced human being given that much time to TV and the internet. Now, let me hit the men in the face real quick. I know you want to watch two games on Sunday. Some of y'all want to watch three games on Sunday. How long is the average football game? Three and a half. Thank you, Elder. Three and a half hours, average football game. So two football games will take you how long? That's already past your six and a half hours flex time. You're either eating into your work or you're eating into your sleep time, and your life is not going to have the right flow if you are not doing the right thing with your flex time. Listen, none of us are ever going to have more than 24 hours in a day, so we need to make the best use of that six and a half hours of flex time. Now, what you do with that is your business. What you do with that is up to you. You get to choose, because we live in a free country still, it's fading, but we live in a free country, and you, get, you can sit on your porch and just stare at the yard all day and all night. You can work two, three jobs. You can start a side hustle. There's lots of things you can do in this flex time, but I'm going to say this and we're going to go. Flex time needs to be highly valued. If you thought about the amount of hours that you put into doing the wrong behavior and you assigned a dollar value to it, you might want to reconsider how you're spending your time because your time affects your money. So let me ask you this. How much is your personal time? I'm not talking about your sleep time. I'm not talking about your working for the boss time. I'm talking about your flex time. How much is your time worth per hour? Think about it. If, if, if I had to pay you, if, if I said I want you to give up your six hours of flex time every day, I want you to come to my house and sit on my front porch and just be a security guard on my front door. How much per hour would be your whole flex time that would take you away from your family, from studying, from 
hobbies, from whatever. $30 an hour, $50 an hour, more. Listen, most people don't value their time enough. That's why they're so willing to waste it. So God sent me here today to tell you start valuing your time and stop wasting it. Your time has got to be worth at least $30 an hour. I'm not talking about to, to the boss. The boss might value you less than that. But your personal free time ought to have a high premium on it. So when you blow it watching a football game, you better spend the other uh, three hours of your flex time getting in something of worth. Get in the right flow and use that flex time to, hear me, increase the value of your life. Some of you are tired all the time. You know why? You don't sleep enough. You, 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 stay, you stay online. Do you know kids, you send them to bed, you know the first thing they do when they go to bed? Get, see, there's a teenager right there. Get on my phone. That's the, hey, that's the first thing. I, I, I read this report one time. 79% of Americans, the last thing they see before they go to sleep is their phone, and the first thing they see when they get up is their phone. If you grab your phone before you go to the bathroom in the morning, you need to repent. You're addicted. You are addicted. People, hey, and in that same article, it said over half of Americans wake up in the middle of the night when you should roll back over and go right back to sleep. But what do they do when they wake up? Grab that phone. Oh, man. Elder Jimmy was talking in a staff meeting uh, this morning about how in China and in certain Asian countries, Korea, they shut cellular communications down. They shut the Internet off at night. It gets dark outside, that's it. They're not going to raise a generation of kids spending their sleep time plugged in to digital time because they're not going to be able to dominate the world that way, and you're not going to be able to get in your right flow that way either. So you ought to use that little bit of time you have, listen, if it takes you longer to get dressed than 30 minutes, because really, eight hours to sleep, say, well, Pastor, actually the studies show seven and a half hours is the appropriate amount of time for the average person to sleep. I understand that. But you got you to gotta get in your bedroom, brush your teeth, turn, turn the house off, lay down and try to fall asleep. So if you're going to spend eight hours sleeping, you're going to spend eight hours working, you're going to be driving back and forth. you got to eat in there somewhere. How are you going to spend that little bit of precious time left? Because here's the reality. I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again. Life's not a video game. There's no do-over button. This is this, this not a golf turn, celebrity golf tournament where you can just keep taking mulligans and shoot over again. You have a limited amount of time on this earth. And the Bible says God is going to judge each one of us for the time and the way we spent it. You say, well, I don't think Christians get judged. Christians do get judged for, for what they did in this life, the Bible says, at the judgment seat of Christ. Non-believers get judged at the great white throne judgment where they will find out that heaven is real and hell is real. But I want you to consider increasing the value of your life by properly utilizing the work, rest, flex model. Work, rest, flex time model. See, because most people, I already told you, if you're doing stuff more than you should be doing it, you're eating into some of your time. And the boss man's going to get his. Sleep usually is the first place you take time from. And then the right activity 
is the other. I want you to strengthen the five areas of your life that I've talked about so much. Let's put those up on the screen. Let's go through them. Five areas of life, five realms that we live on as human beings. There's, there's your spiritual life. Does your spiritual life deserve some time every day? Do you think the average Christian gives time every day to their spiritual life? They do not. It'd be great if we could believe that. It would be awesome. I remember uh, the first year I got saved. Connie was there. Uh, Dina, Dina was there. Y- y'all remember Tammy Whaley. Uh, we had a big uh, young people uh, event. And we all ended up going over to this teenage girl's house named Tammy Whaley. Her parents had some money, and they liked to uh, invite people. So Tammy and I ended up sitting on, on the furniture on the porch, and she said, Scott, you just seem so excited about God all the time. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I just don't really feel that way. I know I'm saved. She, she verified her salvation testimony. She said, what, what can you tell me to help me begin to grow the way you're growing? And I said, well, let's just look at it. I said, what, what, when do you have your quiet time? Now, quiet time is that daily appointment you set with God to spend time reading your Bible, saying your prayers, praising and worshiping God. I said, do you have your quiet time in the morning or at night? She said, well, honestly, I, I don't really have a quiet time. I almost fell off my chair. I was new to Christ. I, all these other people that I was hanging around had been in the church way longer than I had been. I was blown away when I found out that a member of our church didn't have a quiet time every day. Listen, I've wised up a whole lot since then. I, I believe there are less people that have a seven out of seven day work week where they spend time with God every day. If you're not spending time with God every day, you are shortchanging your life spiritually. How can we spend this flex time? I believe you ought to find a way to spend it as an investment in these five different areas of your life, spiritual. Number one, first and foremost, you have got to invest in your spirituality. Binge watching, you know, Netflix is, I don't know if they invented binge watching, but man, they get it in. How, how many of y'all know some people who sit down and binge? They, they're playing Yellowstone again. Every holiday they have a Yellowstone marathon. How, how many of y'all think that per, a person will sit down and binge watch some series for hours and hours and hours? They do it. They do it. Listen, you can't get that time back. That time comes at an expense. It comes at the expense of the rest of your life. You, you, you're wondering why some people are successful and some people are broke. It's not the system. It, it's not any of the other stuff. I can show you examples of poor people that raised up and became extremely successful. I can show you examples of every color under the rainbow of people that raised up and became successful. Listen, the Bible says too much sleep or too much folding of the hands and poverty will jump on you like a thief. If you're just laying around in bed all day, if you're just sitting doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs, poverty will be your lot in life. Successful people work way more than eight hours a day. They put that in. uh, They take some of their flex time and add work to it. But let's talk about these other areas, uh, these other realms that we live life on. We have an emotional realm that we live on. I believe you need to invest in yourself emotionally every day. Invest in yourself emotionally every day. I'm going to give you. A, a real key how to make this flex time work. 
Let your emotional realm be increased because of your spiritual realm. Let your emotional, when you need to make an investment in you emotionally, it's so funny. Stacy sitting in the back of the church, first person I ever heard it. Uh, Stacy and her children take, um, what do you call them days off? Mental health days. Her kids would be at home from school. I'd be like, why, why is it a holiday? No, I, we're just taking a mental health day. Just need to get, have you had a mental health day? Uh-huh. Um, listen, so you don't have to take so many mental health days off from work. So, but because you do have to invest in yourself emotionally, here's what you need to do. Realize, get good at your spiritual investment because it will bleed over as an emotional investment too. You can't spend a couple hours a day praying, reading your word, and singing songs to God and not have your emotions uplifted. The Bible says in the book of Jude that when we pray in the spirit, we strengthen our inner man. The insides of us get stronger. But we got to make that emotional investment. Then you got to have that relational investment. It doesn't matter how much you think you don't need people. Hear me good. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. That doesn't have to be a romantic interest. I'm not saying that. But you need, your, you need somebody in your family. You need a friend. You need somebody close to you. Invest in your relationships. This younger generation has determined marriage doesn't work. You know why they've determined marriage doesn't work? Because our generation modeled that truth for them. Marriages fail at over 50%. There are more divorces issued. Over 50% of every marriage that happens uh, this year will end up in a divorce. And so we got people saying, well, let's just live together because marriage doesn't work anyway. More live-togethers break up than marriages, so don't think that's the answer either. But what I'm telling you is make an investment in your relationships. My mom's sitting right over there, a wise woman, gave me great wisdom. She, she said, send me my flowers while I'm living. And we need to learn how to do that, not just with flowers, but with the investment we make, because here's the reality. I've prayed with a lot of people on their deathbed. I've buried a lot of people. I've had funerals in every building we've ever tabernacled in as a church on the move. And I can tell you this, nobody gets to the end of their life regretting that they didn't spend enough overtime to make one more sale on the job. Here's what they all say. I just hope the ones I love know I love them. People regretting. I've had so many people tell me, come to council sessions, pastor, I just feel horrible. You know, my father passed and our last words were spoken in anger. And well, it's too late. You, you got people going to gravesides asking mama, daddy, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, nephew, niece to forgive them. Uh, they're not there. That, that, that body's in that casket, but their spirit has left. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Or we also see in Luke's gospel that if you're unsaved, uh, you get carried straight down into Hades. Take time every day to work on your relationships. So many churches are geared up with a social construct. Hay rides sports teams inside the church, beach parties, 
all these different traveling events, and their whole focus is building relationships. Listen, we are not trying to build relationships that way, but you better find something to try to build. You ought to find a friend at church, because here's the sad reality, and this is what mega churches know. Your friends will bring you when your faith is failing you. If you know somebody's looking for you to be here, that ought to motivate you to come even when you feel like staying in bed. And here's the biggest reality. God is always looking for you to be here because he commanded us to not neglect the gathering together of ourselves. But you've got to spend time every day, and it has to come from your flex time. What's the most amount of time? What, what, what time frame did I give you for flex time? Six and a half after you take away getting ready, driving to and from work, really less than that because you got eating time in there and then you got getting ready for bedtime in there. Uh, this six and a half hours of flex time will get eaten up quickly, and that's why you have to be purposeful about spending some time every day investing in your spirituality, spending some time every day investing in your own emotions, spend some time every day investing in your relationships. Then there's financial. You got to invest financially. If you don't, you're going to be broke. And some people feel comfortable living off the system. Let me tell you what the, the Great Welfare Act has done to our country. It's got people comfortable living off crumbs. The government tossed some crumbs at some poor people so they never reach up and grab the whole pie. Mm, I just said a lot and you missed it. Do not settle for crumbs. Trying always to gain the system. Go invest your time, your flex time, financially. Well, if you don't want to start a business, you can read about money. You can read about what to do with money. Every financial guru on the planet can show you that if from the time you were 18 to the time you were 60, you saved $20 a week, you'd be a multimillionaire in retirement. Too late for everybody in this room. Over 18. If you haven't been doing that already. I've drilled that into my kid's head for so long. Um, Jake is trying to maximize it. Jake turned 20. Jake's got over $27,000 saved up in less than two years in the Marine Corps. He might be a little cultic with that. Uh, he's cheap. He doesn't like to spend his money. He likes to save his money. But what are you doing to make an investment in your financial life. Because here's the reality. The Bible says money answers all things. When you get to the, to the cashier at Walmart, they don't want your prayer or your prophecy. They want your money. When JEA is threatening to shut off your light bill, can I pray for you? It's not going to get your lights kept on. It takes money to live. And you need to be making investments in your financial realm. I believe, I've said it publicly, I live it um, every week. The best investment you can make with your money is to give God his first and learn to live off the difference. Give God his first. That tithe and an offering on top of the tithe is commanded by God. And he said your finances will be blessed in accordance to how you give. The giving in the body of Christ across the world is so low. They said this a decade ago, and it's only gotten worse. Less than 2% of the average church members tithe. Now, I can tell you, that's, that's sure on track at Abundant Life, and we need to change that. 
you need to start making a proper investment in your finances by getting right with God in your finances. Because God said, if you don't give him what his, he'll <laughs> on your money and make it go away. God said, if you try to put it in your pocket when you should give it to him, he'll put a hole in your pocket. And then you'll just be without. But make a financial investment in that time frame. Read, read once again, your spirituality, the time you spend spiritually will flow down into all these other dimensions, but then there's that physical dimension. And I put that last because I keep it last. That's funny. I didn't get to weigh 225 pounds by concentrating a lot on my physicality. Um, my body's built for comfort, not for speed. And, uh, but here's the reality. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. I used to throw that verse around at all the people who wanted me to work out with them. I told them I'm spending time doing other things, but we've got to be honest to the Scripture. It may be little, but it does say bodily exercise profits. Mm. I can say ouch and oh my and oh me all over that. But here's the reality. If you don't spend some time investing in your physical realm, you're going to die young. And if you don't die young, you're going to live with lots of medical problems. And if you don't live with lots of medical problems, you, you, you're, you're going to have complications in your life due to your health. The funniest T-shirt I ever saw one time was a guy where, uh, wearing a T-shirt. It said, he's an old dude, said, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. I thought, wow, that's me for sure. I never expected to make 59 years old. Um, but the reality is the physical realm is a realm we live on. America is the fattest country in the world. The fattest country in the world. Now, let me just tell you who all the fat people are. I'll just make you mad at me, and I'll let you go. The average woman is how tall? 5'4". That's a fact. You can look that up. The average 5'4 woman weighs how much? 140 pounds. 50 years ago, it was 120 pounds. It's gone up. Some of y'all thinking, 140 pounds. I couldn't fit my left leg into 140 pounds. 50 years ago, the height of the average man was 5 foot 10, and he weighed 168 pounds. Today, the height of the average American man is 5 foot 9, and he weighs 170 pounds. So in 50 years, women have been getting bigger. Men have been staying the same. But men are still fat too. The average man, five foot nine. That makes me tall. Uh, don't hate. It is what it is. The average five foot nine man in America weighs 170 pounds. That makes me fat. It is what it is. Why is America so fat? We got more gyms than anybody else. We certainly got more infomercials than anybody else. We got the, uh, listen, every scam in the world. We got weight loss pills. We got meal replacement shakes. We got all these different supplements. We, we, got, we got the, la the lazy miracle uh, raptious vibrating belt around your belly. And that don't work. That don't work. He, let, let, Elder, Elder Keon's a fitness person. He, he's a physical therapist. Let, let, let me ask you this. Would reducing calories 
And increasing activity be a good place to start, Elder? Reducing calories and increasing activity is what it's going to take. Or here's the deal. Now, I don't know. I, I've, I've shown my kids my yearbook. How many of y'all remember going, being in high school in the 70s, early 80s, some of y'all the 60s? Uh, let, me, let me ask you this, Mom. How many fat people graduated from Dell High High School? Is that what it was? Rayville High School in 1960. How many fat people were in your graduating class? Two. Hey, there was two in mine. How many fat people do, do, do you think graduated high school this past year? Woo! Call me fat. I'll never come back. Listen, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. Don't, don't. Listen, let, 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 me, let me say it how they say it on the Internet. Facts don't care about your feelings. And my doctor has told me that I am morbidly obese. And I can play that feelings game with the rest of y'all. Well, I don't, and, I, and I, told, I told my doctor, I said, I just don't think when I walk into a room that people say, hey, yo, look at fatty just walked in. But here, here's the reality. If you are 30 pounds over that charted weight I just gave you, you're obese. If you are 50 pounds over that charted weight, which is me, you are morbidly obese unless you're walking around like muscle-bound hulks. Well, I have big, I'm, I'm big boned it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Do you believe that the average Christian should take better care of themselves physically? Then let it start with you. Do you believe the average Christian should invest their money in the tithing and the offering? Yes or no? Then let it start with you. Do you believe it's right for Christians to invest in the relationships that they're fortunate to have? Let it start with you. Do you believe that emotionally and spiritually you should make investments in those realms too? Let it start with you. Everybody wants somebody else to change. We live in a world of microaggressions, triggering, therapy dogs, people freaking out when they don't get their way, and everybody wants to blame somebody else. Rich people blame poor people. White people blame black people. Black people blame white people. All the way around. Everybody's blaming somebody else. But if you want to see a change, be the change you want to see. Listen, we need more kindness in the earth. We need more love in the earth, more peace. I love that book. Uh, trying to think who wrote it. Can't remember who wrote it. Uh, who's that? What's that pastor's name? Uh, he wrote that book, I Told You to Get the Beauty of Spiritual Language. He wrote the song Majesty. Jack Hayford, thank you. Uh, Jack Hayford wrote a book called the, the Key to Everything is Giving. And when I saw that book on the shelf, I thought it was going to be talking about money, but it was talking about life. It had some chapters in there about money. If you want to get more money, give it away. But his principle was whatever you want more of, Give more of it away because it'll come back to you. If you want more kindness in your life, give away more kindness. You'll see more people being kind to you. If you want more joy in your life, give away joy and it'll come back to you. You'll see more people bringing joy your way. Love, empathy, forgiveness. These are things that all human beings requires. What if we all judged each other on our worst event? 
We'd be in a bad way. Listen, you need to understand. The Bible says freely you receive, freely ought you to give. God gave us forgiveness freely. We ought to be, the blood-bought church of God ought to be the kindest, lovingest, forgivingest, acceptingest group of people on the planet. Nobody is your enemy. The LGBTQPIAF, I don't know if I missed one. They're not your enemy. The the, the transgender, body dysmorphia, cross-dressing, child mutilating uh, group, they're not your enemy. They're highly confused. The gender, 200 uh, pronoun gender crowd, the, 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 uh, bi- the non-binary, the, 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 all these different things, they, they're not your enemy. You let all these things get you riled up. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Unless you allow them to be. The Bible says we wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against spiritual forces. Stop fighting with people. I'm done with this. Hear me good. Stop fighting with people. That is eating up your flex time in the wrong way. Stop Letting yourself be driven to rage by what you see going on in society. That is a waste of your flex time. Start investing your flex time in getting better spiritually, getting better emotionally, relationally, financially, and physically. Because here's the reality. One day soon this life will be passed. Only what's done for God will last. And we need to get on. Letting God do stuff in us, through us, and by us. Because we live in a hurting world. We live in a world that's on its way to hell. And the church is hiding its light under a bushel. And we need to be that city set on a hill. We need to be that shining light. When people drive by this church, they ought to see it as a place where they could come find love, goodness, kindness, acceptance, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and wise instruction. The problem is, the Bible says when you correct a fool, he'll hate you. But when you correct a wise person, they'll love you and grow yet wiser. I thank God for you being in a church that that focuses on the whole Bible and not just the feel-good passages. But the reality is we have a mission. We have a purpose. And that purpose is to reach the lost at any cost. Only when we get ourselves right. Judgment, the Bible says, must first begin in the house of God. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, then he'd hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal the land. Every Christian wants our land to be healed. The problem is we've got our own way of looking at it. Some people think, think getting a different set of politicians would heal the land. Some people think the economy going higher would heal the land. Some people think reparations would heal the land. Some people think that if everybody thought the way they did, it would heal the land. Listen, you will only, here's the good news and the bad news, you will only ever have to be judged for you and what you did, not for nobody else. We live in a day and age where personal accountability is shunned. And everybody wants to blame somebody else. But you are responsible for these five realms. And I'm I'm urging you today, take that little bit of flex time you have and use it wisely. Work six days. Well, I only work five. We'll get another job. 
or spend that sixth day working in your house, working on the yard, catch up the laundry, run a dust rag across stuff. When's the last time you cleaned out your, your, your disposal, your garbage disposal? It's always something to do at a house, amen? Use that little bit of flex time you have wisely. Can you fit some TV in there? Some. Can you fit some social media in there? Some. Can, can you fit being on the Internet, watching YouTube? Some. Yeah. Can you fit music in there? Some. But you need to start looking at these five areas, and you need to get in the right flow. You need to get in the right flow. You need to get your life together on these five realms because we don't have tomorrow promised to us. Last verse, Ephesians 5, 16 says, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. King James says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Are you redeeming your time? Are you using your time wisely? Are you making the most of every opportunity in these days? I want you to start doing this. Talk to God as soon as you wake up. Tell God good morning when you wake up. Talk to God before you go to sleep. Don't let the first thing you do in your life when you wake up in the morning is grab for a phone, a digital device. And don't let it be the last thing you do. Let God be the first thing you do on your day. Let God be the last thing you do on your day. And use that time wisely in the middle. And I promise you, God wants to give you an abundant life. God wants to bless you. He wants to see you growing. He wants to see you doing better. He wants you to reflect his goodness. And the reality is most of us have spent our flex time in the wrong way. But here's the good news. God's not just a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. Doesn't matter how far you've fallen spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. Doesn't matter where you are right now in any of those five realms. We're all only one prayer away from being totally right with God. God said if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've been trying to back down on my grocery wagon because I knew I was going to have to preach this message. I can tell you for sure, losing weight's no fun. And I honestly don't care what I weigh. I've been telling you all for years, stop sending me fad diets. I'm comfortable in my skin. But I need to lose weight. Why, why, is it, why is it so bad for somebody to admit that? If you're here and you, and you need to lose weight, you, you shouldn't be ashamed to admit that. What you should be ashamed of is being 100 pounds overweight and saying I'm big and I'm beautiful. Yeah, with them corns on your feet and those diseases you're, you're, that you're uh, leading up to, that fat around your heart, there's nothing beautiful about that. Spiritually, it doesn't matter where you are right now. God says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I want you to find rest in God. But I want you to start making an investment in these five areas because we've only got a little time left. Jesus is coming back. And I'm so thankful he, not, he don't have a way scale to get into heaven. Amen? Pray with me. God, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for loving us how we are. God, we want to be better. So I ask you to fill us with your spirit, God. I pray that if there's anyone in here who's unsaved, Lord, that you would save them. 
by your love, your grace, and your mercy. Draw them to yourself. God, for each of us who are saved, Lord, I pray that you would help us spend our time wisely. Help us to redeem the time, God. Help us to make the most out of every opportunity. We want to honor you, God. We want to live our life well, and we want to hear you tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant, when you allow us to enter into your glory. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us. Thank you for life. Thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.